Welcome to the Strength and Dignity Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Bromley. During our time together, we will delve into all things relating to abuse, particularly domestic abuse. As a woman who has experienced abuse from the woman's perspective, this podcast is geared toward women and the unique challenges she faces when she finds herself in an abusive situation. What happens when she seeks godly counsel? Must she remain in bondage? Is she to blame for her abuse? It's time to find our voice and shine a light on an area which many want to keep in the dark. Let's dive in. friends. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode where our topic of discussion is emotional intelligence or EI. First, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss anything as we journey through healing together. Okay, so we touched upon emotional intelligence last week and I figured it would be a good idea to explore this topic in a bit more depth. I started hearing the term emotional intelligence about six or seven years ago for the first time, and I was very intrigued. At the time, I remember feeling like I couldn't learn enough about it. It made so much sense to me, and I could very easily see that it was lacking, not only in my own life, but in that of many others around me. Emotional intelligence, or EI, is the ability to understand and manage our own emotions, as well as recognize, understand, and influence the emotions of others, or recognize the influence we naturally have and endeavor to make that influence a positive one. I like to describe EI as learning to function relationally apart from our default setting. I know we're not machines, but what I mean by that is that if we've grown up in any kind of dysfunction, we typically wind up with these default settings in how we operate and deal with others. We become programmed in a way to think, act, and behave a certain way in our relationships, and we don't think a whole lot about it. It's just the way it is, for better or worse. And if it's worse... Learning about emotional intelligence can be really beneficial to us and our relationships all across the board. If we've had healthy and loving relationships modeled for us growing up, had fairly healthy homes altogether without abuse or addictions or any other unhealthy coping mechanisms to deal with stressors, we may typically already have a pretty good handle on things or in other words, an ideal default setting that we're functioning in But for those of us who have lacked in these areas, our settings leave a lot to be desired. And honestly, even under perfect circumstances, we can adapt some unhealthy ways of being through the years. So EI can benefit anyone, I believe. Most of us simply are not taught a whole lot about our emotions, even though the Bible definitely has much to say, and we will cover that later on. Many of us through our upbringings, have acquired some poor emotional intelligence. God really is amazing, and as our creator, he really thought of everything when he designed us, including hardwiring us with a protective mechanism that would help us to be able to function even in the midst of less than desirable or even flat-out horrific circumstances. The amygdala, which is located in the medial temporal lobe of the brain, 
is considered our emotional brain. It also helps us to classify experiences as either positive or negative. Sometimes this portion of the brain can take over or hijack the rational and logical part of the brain, which is the frontal cortex. It happens without us even knowing or being slightly aware of it. The amygdala are a pair of almond-like structures, which release hormones like adrenaline and cortisol. These then flood our system and prompt us to one of three basic stress responses to help us survive, fight, flight, or freeze during times of danger. Unfortunately, many of us have experienced danger so much that we get used to living in this state of hypervigilance and our amygdala begins working overtime, even when it should not. Being aware of how these processes work is extremely beneficial in helping us to understand why we may react in a certain way, learn to pause, and engage that frontal cortex to respond in a more healthy and rational manner. Are we perceiving threats that are not present? Or are we functioning with more emotionally intelligent actions? Learning to tweak and correct some of our potentially faulty settings will help our relationships thrive and become stronger, and we will flourish in other ways as well. So many areas of our lives are impacted greatly by our emotional intelligence or lack thereof. How do we know if we have a low emotional intelligence? Let's look at a few indicators. First, there can be an inability to control or regulate your emotions. This is a big one, guys. You might be prone to easily blow up at someone, for example. Maybe the level of anger or frustration you're feeling over a particular incident isn't accurately reflective of the matter at hand. For example, someone does something very minor, but you lash out in response with the fury as though they'd done something catastrophic. In other words, what they did deserved maybe a level 1 response, but your reaction was that of a level 10. Does this make sense? Or maybe it can even happen in reverse, where you are hardly impacted at all by something that would normally be catastrophic. I think it's safe to say that our responses should align properly with our offenses or influences. Here is another indicative scenario. Perhaps your emotions overwhelm you in such a way that they interfere with your ability to think logically or function in your day-to-day tasks. Maybe you are so preoccupied with how something makes you feel that you lose focus, maybe at work or school or some other time where your proper attention is needed. Maybe your performance is suffering due to this preoccupation you find yourself in, but you are consumed and you can't seem to function or do anything about it. Do you rely heavily on poor coping mechanisms like avoidance, isolation, procrastination, workaholism, overeating, overspending, drug or alcohol use, or even self-harm? Are you dealing with emotional discomfort in unhealthy ways? Many times, if we lack emotional intelligence in particular, we try to escape or numb the feelings we aren't fond of. 
Another sign of low emotional intelligence, a huge sign, is that a person struggles in relationships. They may lack many, if any at all, close relationships. Maybe a person is too self-absorbed or insensitive or seem to hurt and offend others way too easily. Or maybe a person is the one who is too easily offended. Also, I would say that people with poor emotional intelligence are more prone to things like anxiety and depression because, again, we are unable to manage and understand our emotions and even our relationships. We're easily stressed and we're easily overwhelmed. What does a healthy emotional intelligence look like? An emotionally intelligent person knows how to listen and be empathetic. An emotionally intelligent person has a good sense of themselves, and therefore they know where they end and where you begin. They are people of healthy boundaries. They are very self-aware of both their strengths and their weaknesses, and they aren't intimidated by their weaknesses. They are instead motivated for change. An emotionally intelligent person has self-control or good self-regulation. They also have healthy relationships and good social skills in general. We've got to be aware, be able to harness our emotions and apply those emotions in healthy ways to our tasks of daily life and our interactions with others. We can't just feel and act. We must think about what we're feeling and recognize and understand our potential to impact those around us. When it comes to abuse, which I've stated previously is essentially a state of sin, I firmly do believe that a lack of emotional intelligence can certainly set someone on the path to becoming abusive. I mean, the fact of the matter is, that a lack of self-regulation is definitely apparent when we're looking at an abusive situation. But I also believe sometimes there is something just purely demonic and evil going on. I don't want anyone to think I'm sharing any of this information to encourage people to think they need to fix their abusers. I'm not. I stand by the fact that there are few abusers who actually want to change. And if they do... As I've mentioned in a previous episode, there is definite criteria that we need to look for. I think that it's important to remember again that emotional intelligence and spiritual maturity go hand in hand. A person who is abusing, quite frankly, is not spiritually mature. They may not even know God. As far as spiritual maturity and emotional intelligence go, I'd say they go hand in hand. I don't think you can have one without the other. The principles of emotional intelligence are very biblical, and we'll look at that further. But if a man is not showing strong, consistent indicators of wanting to change, such as brokenness over his actions, accountability and honesty, transparency and working diligently on himself for himself, by himself— then I would never encourage you to stay. This is not about that. However, I do believe it's just important to make that correlation to men who abuse having a low emotional intelligence. It's also important to note 
that women who wind up in abuse also statistically have lower EI. So you can see that this is just an important self-evaluation tool that we should all be looking at. We can all certainly use improvement. We will function better in all aspects of life. And we will also see improvement in our relationships and even be in a better place to choose healthy relationships and select healthier people, even in friendship. As for the relationship between emotional intelligence and spiritual maturity, let's look at scripture. Are these really just biblical principles? I say yes, they sure are. God created us with emotions and he wants us to be able to manage them properly. To have emotional intelligence, we must be able to self-reflect. Romans 12.2 says not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that by testing we may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Growing in emotional intelligence involves a renewing of our minds. We must continually reflect on our thoughts, our actions, our emotions, how we treat people, and test all of it against the word, making changes as necessary. God helps us with this. He is there every step of the way. All we need to do is reflect and give it to him. I also think of Matthew 7, 4 where we are admonished to remove the log from our own eye before worrying about the speck in someone else's. Lamentations tells us to test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. All of these scripture passages speak to self-reflection. Or how about 2 Corinthians 13.5, which says also that we must examine ourselves. Self-reflection and examination are key to spiritual growth. We must be able to manage our emotions. Self-control. Proverbs 17.22 says that a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit rots the bones. Basically, what this is saying is that it depletes our spiritual health and our mental health. We are also told not to worry or be anxious, but in everything to give thanks with prayers and petitions, making our requests known to God. And it says that God himself will guard our hearts and minds, giving us peace. So if we are feeling the emotion of anxiety, we are told to give it to God, so as not to reside there. He will exchange it for peace. His peace, the peace that passes all understanding. That sounds like a much better deal, doesn't it? And it also sounds like God is trying to help us manage our emotions. Of course, we can't forget about anger. There are many scriptures that mention the importance of controlling our anger. For example, I thought this passage was good. James 1, 19-20, which says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, 
slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There is a lot of wisdom in that scripture on self-control. It says, be quick to hear. Be a good listener. Don't just listen to respond, but listen to try and understand. Then it says to be slow to speak. Don't respond too quickly. Let the words sink in first. Let the thinking, rational part of the brain engage before saying or doing something you wind up regretting. Then it says to be slow to anger. Don't let anger be your go-to. Don't be so quick to get offended or angry at the words you're hearing. Trying to understand another person's perspective is key. If we can have empathy, put ourselves in that person's shoes, maybe we might be a bit less prone to anger and rash actions. Man's anger does not produce the righteousness of God. And isn't that what we want? The righteousness of God? This is what we all must strive for. Lack of self-control just doesn't get us there. But self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, as it is also an indicator of emotional intelligence. We also must have empathy to be emotionally intelligent. Romans 12.15 says to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's such a beautiful picture. Actually sitting with someone and feeling the feelings that they feel along with them. And we've seen Christ do that many times in the Bible. Galatians 6.2 tells us to bear one another's burdens, which fulfills the law of Christ. We must have tender hearts toward one another, caring about each other's needs and putting each other's needs above our own. Now, please know I am not encouraging anyone to do this in a scenario that is unsafe and fueled with abuse. I believe in removing ourselves from such abusive and dangerous environments, and I have spoken on that often. I am speaking in general here, as these are just characteristics of righteous living and of having a heart for God. Let's never forget that in Matthew 7, 6, Christ himself told us not to cast our pearls before swine. Not everyone is receptive or deserving to what we are giving. If a person is rejecting, ridiculing, and abusing us, I'd say that qualifies for being swine. If hearts are not open, and they in fact return what we give with abuse, safe boundaries are necessary. So again, this topic is not to encourage people to stay in abuse and try to work on it. I've been in those shoes. I know how it feels when people are encouraging us to try harder and do more, and that is not what this is about. But I do think it's important to note that abusers are lacking in this area. And we can be too if we keep winding up in these abusive situations or dysfunctional situations. For me, this topic was always intriguing because I've always been on a journey to help and heal myself. Through my faith, through godly counsel, through different tools that could help me become better than I was yesterday. And a byproduct for sure is better relationships all around and all areas of life being refined. 
The Christian walk is so much about relationship, our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. Not having a handle on our thoughts, feelings, and emotions can impede both. It's worth evaluating. It's worth evaluating. I highly encourage everyone to dig into this topic of emotional intelligence some more. And I thank you for joining me once again on our journey of healing, peace, freedom, and learning. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and also check out my blog, the She is Clothed with Strength and Dignity blog on Facebook. I hope you'll join me next time as I'll be talking to Byron Hogan, who teaches on emotional intelligence through the training of wild Mustangs. He also grew up in an abusive environment, so he has that perspective as well. You won't want to miss it. And in the meantime, I hope this has been helpful. Until next time, sweet warriors, take care of yourself. You are worth it. You are precious in the eyes of God.